Thanks for joining us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Several years ago, this weekly program was recorded at Michael's home studio in Franklin, Tennessee. We got to meet many of Michael's friends and hear about the work of God in the Nashville community and around the world. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the Bible and the reality of God's faithfulness told in these conversations stand the test of time. This session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn more about the CSB translation online when you visit csbible.com. Listen now to this program from the archives. This is In the Studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Oddly enough, in the studio with Michael Carr. Ah. <laughs> How does that so work? So, you're out? are you a literalist? Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> Michael, it's nice to be with you again this week. Yeah. Here's what's ahead in the next hour. Of course, Michael will sing on the program today. Scott Rowley's going to come by. My best friend. And Scott will talk about the role Barnabas played in the early church. Yeah, and it, that'll be good because Scott is very much a Barnabas type uh, person. You know, Barnabas. Um, was his nickname. It was the name that the apostles gave him. His real name was Joseph. Son of encouragement. Son of encouragement, Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, in the second half of our program today, we'll meet two men, one at a time. Uh, Denny Denson will be here. Now, Denny's been with us many times before, but just for newer listeners, explain Denny. Well, Denny Denny is sort of... Denny and Scott and I are kind of the three musketeers. They are my two best friends, and we... uh, um, I don't know. We've been friends for 20 years, I guess. Uh, Denny is... um, uh, was a pastor here. He's since retired. He uh, is from Chicago. He was actually uh, a Black Panther in mm-hmm. Chicago in the 60s. Yeah, pretty rough uh, early life. Yeah, he could describes himself as a, a man of violence, mm. but he came to faith and uh, went to Moody mm-hmm. Bible Institute, mm-hmm. studied with Ben Johnson, who is another uh, person who's been an important part of this program. And uh, Denny has impacted our community in in. S- in more ways than I can say. I mean, uh, Empty Hands Fellowship really came out of Denny and Scott's relationship. Uh, Mercy Children's Clinic is was Denny. Uh, uh, New Hope Academy really largely was uh, a, a ball that Denny picked yeah, up. Those are local ministries and here in Franklin, Tennessee, yeah. which we hope would be a model for ministries around the country. So. Yeah, and, and so... And, and and aside from all that, Denny is just a person who who, who gets the gospel. And so it's always it's always great to, to hear him uh, think out loud. So Denny will be with us in the second half today. Yeah. Also, Dave Zanotti is going to stop by. Um, Dave is not from Franklin. Although he spends a lot of time in Franklin, He's Tennessee. He's one of your sidekicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Dave uh, lives—well, he spends a lot of time in Cleveland, Ohio, and in Florida. He's mm-hmm. president of the American Policy Roundtable and uh, can give us a little— political perspective today. Now, that's uh, that's kind of intriguing, isn't it? Get, getting a lot of that these days. But believe me, Dave comes at it from a different point of view. Yeah, refreshing because it's so biblical. And uh, if if you have a heart for God's Word uh, it, it, and, and are perplexed uh, by politics the way a lot of us are, Dave is such a refreshing guy to hear. Just before we ask you to sing as uh, a part of today's program, Michael, I was just looking at an email we got from a listener, uh, a man named Andre. He's, mm-hmm. He says, I'm a Brazilian pediatrician. Hmm. I don't know how many of those we have listening wow. to the program. <laughs> wow. But he expresses appreciation for your ministry. He and, must uh, listen on the podcast. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, he says he really enjoys reading the Brazilian version of Scribbling in the Sand. Wow. 
He says, I'm not a musician, nor an author, nor a spotlight person, but I believe that God touches our hearts with the same intense creativity in different ways. Well, that's well put. Man. Well, and if he's a pediatrician, he is exercising some creativity, let me tell you. Be encouraged, Andre. Andre, thank you for your email. In the studio at michaelcard.com is our email address. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, we'll talk with Scott Rowley in a moment about Barnabas. But first, we're going to put you to work singing for us, Bears of the Light. Okay, let's dedicate this to Andre for taking the time to uh, email us. The light we must bear is the light we must share is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will walk beside us, a strong friend Barnabas. He will be that sure shoulder to lean on. Promise we share is our burden to bear, and our light tells the darkness to be gone. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. He will come after me, this young Timothy, looking for someone to guide him. I will kindle his light, make him strong for the fight. I will promise to be there beside him. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. Promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. And so we must claim in His powerful name the promise the Bible has spoken. We must understand that a cord of three strands cannot be easily broken. The great need of us all, a true mentor, a Paul, who has traveled the road that's before us. He has made good the pledge to take the light on ahead. We can follow his footsteps before us. The light we must bear is the light we must share, is the light that illumines the darkness. Promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. The promises kept give us strength to accept this burden of bearing the light. Well, Scott, we've asked you to come and talk about a character in the scriptures that is very pivotal, but we don't talk about him a lot, do we? Yeah, Barnabas is somewhat forgotten. I think he can be overlooked and... Um, Mike Card, as he's taught me and, and thought through many of these kinds of figures, does remind me that, that at, at a very important crossroads in the faith and, and early on in the church development, uh, Barnabas emerges, uh, called the son of encouragement. Um, he's a Levite from Cyprus. But that was his nickname. That was a nickname. His well, actual name was Joseph, actually, hmm. before uh, Barnabas became his, uh, his kind of call name. Mm-hmm. And the, the trick question is, of course, we've already given it away, but who's responsible for a third of the New Testament? Over a third of the New Testament. Wow. People always go, hmm, Paul? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer is, 
is Barnabas. If yeah. it if it hadn't been for Barnabas, we wouldn't have Mark probably, True. and we may not have you know Paul. Uh, this idea of the burden of bearing the light mm-hmm. is is I think shining brightly through Barnabas. He shows up as a guy who is in, indeed both in word and in deed um, demonstrating the gospel. He's uh, actually one of the first introductions early in Acts is where he's where he's actually giving away his property, mm. and it's in that Acts two forty two mindset is later on in the book, but. He has actually, I think, Acts four thirty six, where he's actually giving away yeah, his he property. Sold, he sold a field he owned and bought and brought the money to the apostles for those in need. Mm-hmm. Now that, that's that's deed right yeah, there. Yeah, and right? I think it shows right. It shows where his heart was uh, that the gospel wasn't just sort of an intellectual understanding; that it actually was on the ground with hands in the mud in the midst of bearing this burden, mm-hmm. uh, carrying the light. F.F. Mm-hmm. F. Bruce said a uh, great quote about Barnabas. He said he believed in the work that God was doing in a man. Mm. And mm. I think you see that, you know, when, when no yeah. one else will talk to Paul, mm-hmm. yeah. Paul goes to Barnabas. When, when Mark is sort of seen as a nominal person, especially by Paul, Barnabas can still believe at the, in the work that God is doing in a man. It, it, wouldn't it be great if that could be said of us? Yeah, this, mm. this intuitive nature that he has yeah. right off the bat, once Paul's converted, he's the one who brings Paul to the well, apostles let's, let's right go there. The let's bat. go there to, to yeah. uh, Acts chapter 9 and, and take a more careful look at that. You've got it in front of you, Judge um, Wayne. Yeah, but what verse, uh, I'm looking at 27, verse 26, yeah, 27? Right. Okay, let me scan down here. It says, then Barnabas brought him to the apostles, this is uh, Paul, and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how boldly he preached in the name of the Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul. And after that, he was constantly with them in Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Barnabas was the presenter to the right. apostles. I think it was an insight into Paul's character, which shows up later as he also restores and helps John Mark. I mean, I think that's really one of his great gifts. Right, but They had every reason not to right. trust Paul. I mean, if, if I'd been there... right. Yeah, are you talking about Paul? No, you know, the <laughs> Saul of Tarsus? Yeah. No way. Right. The enemy. Yeah, yeah. Last week he arrested so and so and you're now, let's give him let's give him a little time to Wouldn't see you if like this is like to have heard that conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, and Barnabas is the guy who comes alongside him and says, "No, you know, God's at work in his life and let's Yeah, he also seems to be a man who doesn't care about reputation. He isn't someone who's looking for his own reputation. I think he also understands when he's over his head. That's, that's that portion of Scripture in Acts uh, where he comes and gets Paul to bring him back to um, Antioch, mm-hmm. um, chapter 11 of Acts. Right, after that, lo- right, after that long so- uh, time off. Yeah, right. I, I've forgotten that passage. Right. Yeah. He, he, is, he understands that this amazing moment in Antioch, the church is really coming together, Jew, Gentile, and the, the plurality, the diversity of the body. And we're he's, first called Christians. Yeah. Yes, exactly. When we're thinking about building the character of Barnabas, that's part of who he really is, recognizing his own, in, in, in a sense, um, his insignificance, that mm-hmm. there's one who must be greater. And it really reflects um, the, the Lord, you know, who says, my father is greater. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is Barnabas mm-hmm. in a nutshell. It's mm-hmm. the same encouragement Christ continued to uh to show. Yeah. We've jumped uh, to the middle here, but I want to go all the way back to the beginning. You said he was from the tribe of Levi. Yes. Which tells us what about him? Priest. It's a, you know, that's the priest, the line of the priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, beyond that, um, you know, I, I don't know what, what you can, how you can extrapolate out. I mean, it doesn't, he doesn't seem to have ever had the office. You know, not everyone who was mm-hmm. a, from the tribe of Levi exercised the office, but. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, maybe in the in the connection of the the renewal in his new in his new life in his born again life, he's um, he's demonstrating 
that mm-hmm. priestly call. Yeah. He's you know? he's a kid that's grown up with this idea that people are set aside and yeah. And so um, that, that's what I wanted to yeah, get at. Okay. That he knows he knows the system. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah. And, and being and, and being Cypriot also from, from Cyprus, I think that's the worldly side of him that was yeah. a very very comfortable yeah. with okay. a multicultural multi ethnic okay. yeah. uh, right. congregation. And didn't Paul say not to trust? Cyprian right. people, they were <laughs> so he grew up in maybe in a context that wasn't such, right. such a great context. And then to be given this name, you know, the son of encouragement, you know, mm-hmm. to to earn that right. from the others, mm-hmm. that that's remarkable. And and apparently that that described his character the way you know Boanerges described you know James and John. They were the sons of thunder, right. Peter, you know, mm-hmm. the rock. So you know maybe that's so maybe that's something that happened. I mean, we don't nickname each other. Well, I guess we do sometimes. But Poop, the- pookie. <laughs> that, that sounds a bit odd. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring as sons of thunder, does right. it? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to take you back to that because the yeah. the, uh, the the nickname part of it is always so interesting mm-hmm. that uh, that he it was earned and mm-hmm. that really reflected his character. Right, uh, and what you're what you're driving at too is that what what is real encouragement? I mean, when mm-hmm. we think about encouragement, is it just flattery? It really isn't. It really, I think, it's the reality of knowing as a sinner saved by grace. Mm-hmm. You know, here's my limitations. Mm-hmm. Here's my calling. Mm-hmm. You know, he understands when the laying on of hands come. This sort of a prophetic calling, an evangelistic calling. He and Paul are absolutely the uh, the paradigm of evangelism at that level. So his encouragement um, is really in that spiritual gift side. You know, versus just sort of a personality that you like to have around. You. Yeah, that's good. And yeah. when you you mentioned sinner saved by grace, it, he also extends that understanding to other people. I mean, he knows Mark. John Mark isn't perfect, yes. right? He's right. got flaws, okay. but you know, again, come back to this idea, God is at work in his life, and, and uh, Barnabas says, I'm going to stand with him. Right. He's, you know? well, it, you're jumping ahead on me here. Let's, okay. let's, let's, let's explain the background of what, what happened here and, okay. and John Mark's relationship and all that. Scott? Well, what happens, basically, Paul and Barnabas have really hit it off in this first journey. They've, they've really got to be soulmates. In fact, right from the start, obviously, as he brings them to the apostles early in Paul's conversion, they really hit it off, best of friends. Mm-hmm. They then divide up for the second round. They, they see the importance of reaching back to the churches that they've established. In the midst of that, Paul and, and Barnabas argue over John Mark. John Mark is Paul, uh, Barnabas's cousin, He's okay. known him really from birth. I mean, we know really, that from scripture. We know that from scripture. Yeah, so, and, and John Mark is an, is also the the son of you know the, the house when Peter is freed from prison. And that's right. Peter goes back to the house. That's John Mark's house. That's right. Oh, okay. In fact, the belief that this the it's, the young man who spins away naked yeah. and le- leaves his yeah. uh, cloak at the at the scene of the cross, they think you know the the yeah, anyway, that's a high probability that that's, yeah, uh, that's Mark, John Mark, yeah, yeah. yeah, who becomes a disciple of Peter later and writes yeah. the Gospel of Mark. And so he's yeah. he's probably got um, some character flaw, John Mark, like all of us. Well, and he's young. He's young. Yeah. Barnabas knows him, knows his heart. And stands up for him, yeah, and uh, to Barnabas's credit, he doesn't back off because yeah. because of the greatness of Paul. I never thought that he was his uncle, and that so there's a relational sort of understanding that he has. Yeah, cousin, I think. Cousin, oh, no, okay. did I say? Um, you said I believe cousin. It, I think it's cousin. Okay. I think he's actually a cousin. cousin. Yeah. So it's also in Lystra, and we read this in Acts chapter fourteen, where there's story. an interesting story that that we talked about before opening the mics here. Yeah, today, I, I, well, Bill Bill Lane used to talk about this story all the time. They they come into Lystra, and they're they're mistaken as gods. And the the Lystrians go berserk and yeah, they fall say these be- men are gods in human bodies. Yeah, and uh, and so what happens is um, they they start uh, they're going to make offerings to them and appease them. But Bill gives gave us the background. The, the, there was a, an ancient story about the city of Lystra that that the the same two gods had appeared, 
and the people had refused them. And, uh, and so the, as they were going out of town, there was, um, there was a little hovel, this elderly man and his wife, um, and they took the gods in and fed, you know, gave them their last food uh, to, to feed them. And lo and behold, the gods turned their little shack into the temple <laughs> of you know, Jupiter, and they become the wardens of the temple, and that's the whole thing. Well, that, the people in Lystra yeah. have heard this story since they were little They're kids, They're not about right? to make the same mistake now, they twice. Get, they get put to bed with these kinds of stories. Now, all of a sudden, these two incredible miracle workers, right. and one of them apparently is this you know, big, strong-looking guy, and another is an older, sort of wise-looking person and gee the gods have come back we're not going to let that happen again oh and yeah. i'll tell you what happened list it listra sunk into the into the swamp that's what oh, they that's okay. what happened yeah but listen how barnabas and paul responded when they heard what was happening they tore their clothing in dismay oh, yeah. and ran out among the people shouting friends why are you doing this we are merely human beings like yourselves yeah. we have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things to the living god yeah Interesting culture, huh? To yeah. try to minister in. <laughs> yeah, interesting. And then I think I think it's important to note too that it was not only just them preaching; they were actually laying hands yeah. and seeing healing. Right. And again, we all take that for granted. But what it really means is they were involved in people's lives. In fact, one of the passages reminds us that Paul would look into the person and see faith. I mean, he would see someone who was struggling with faith or mm-hmm. belief. It's sort of that prophetic or but that's probably not the best word, but intuitive. It's a discernment. Discernment. Yeah. It's a better word. Yeah. Discernment over where someone was. And, and these two, that, that is a reflection for us today. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to take away from that. Am I just talking about Christ or mm-hmm. am I looking into someone's eyes? Mm-hmm. Am I the son of encouragement? Am I someone who's saying, you are someone worth the, the, the investing our lives together? Well, that's Within My Reach. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott has a great song called mm-hmm. Within My Reach. Mm-hmm. And a- anyone that the Lord brings into that circle, am I really being Christ to them? Mm-hmm. That'd be a great song to do right now. All right, now we come to... <laughs> Scott, if only we could remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Now we come to the journeys, the missionary journeys, right, and the the conflict, right? Right, and uh, and that's good. Um, Not trying trying to get too far ahead, but to recognize that there, first of all, there is great uh, weariness in the ministry. There is great conflict in the ministry for us that desire to see our lives go easy and nice and safe. You know, let's face it, that's not Christianity. Christianity is always going to be conflict. There's always going to be the Lord bringing us through the cross and by the cross. So they have their, they have their, cruci- you know, their crucifixion. They, they have to die to this first successful journey and say, mm-hmm. it's time to move on. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Well, because Mark had abandoned them uh, earlier when they were in Pamphylia. And that, we don't know why, whether he got sick or whether he was afraid, but Paul, I think, obviously saw it as some sort of a moral Mm -hmm. weakness. Well, it says that Paul strongly disagreed that yeah. uh, that John Mark should go along. Right. He's the sort of person we don't need to take on mission because he he might uh, he had, bail uh, out on us. He felt that John Mark had deserted them and had not shared in their work, and their disagreement over this was so sharp that they separated. Yeah. Well, but the ministry goes on. I mean, that's the point. It, it doesn't come to a, to a halt at that point. There's They agree to disagree. Barnabas takes John Mark, and uh, who does Paul take with him? Paul takes Silas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and isn't it interesting that, that without the personalities of a man like Barnabas, ministry does kind of come to grind, grinding halts. Yeah. If we make decisions and judgments about people, yeah. 
without the very heart of the gospel being, I'm going to restore you. And, and that restoration is, uh, I think, critical. And, and what if no one had ever picked Mark back up again? We might not have the gospel of Mark because That's what happens a- afterwards is Mark becomes, uh, and the, the, the material that we have after the uh, New Testament tells us that Mark's, Mark becomes a disciple of Peter and ends up writing the gospel of Mark, which is basically Peter's testimony. Mm-hmm. And we, we might not have the gospel of Mark so, if it wasn't for that. So believing in somebody, if you're sitting at home listening, you're driving a truck and you're yeah. listening, mm-hmm. believing yeah. in someone, t- uh, trusting that God can use you to restore and yeah. love someone. Yeah. And even going beyond the their, extra step. Beyond their faults. That's yeah, right. right. That, that, that is the gospel in action. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's what Jesus does to us. Absolutely. He looks at us and sees all our faults and all our sins, and nevertheless, right. he believes in the work that God is doing in us. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, what do we know about uh, what happened after all this took place? Well, there's several references that uh, Paul was restored with Barnabas in uh, the first in First Corinthians. He's writing now the Corinthian church, chapter 9, verse 6. I don't know if you have that reference. I had it, and I lost it. But it is a reference to Barnabas that helps us realize that they are at least, recog- you know, he's at least recognizing their relationship. Yeah, here it is, uh, verse 3 of chapter 9, 1 Corinthians. This is my answer to those who question my authority as an apostle. Don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife along with us? as the other disciples and the Lord's brother and brothers and Peter do, or is only Barnabas and I who have to work to support ourselves? Mm. So that's a supportive statement of Barnabas, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd say that that's you know, something that gives us encouragement, um, that they, were, they continued even though their disagreement, because he obviously has restored also the relationship with Mark. Paul and Mark have come back well, that, together. By that statement, he respects Barnabas, right. you know, yeah. includes him in the work. That's right. Well, and... and and Paul and Mark come back together again as well. Uh, that's Colossians uh, 4. Um, Ar- 410. 4.10. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas's cousin. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. It's great. So they're back together again. They're back. Yeah. I think also that the idea that in church leadership or whatever we're about in our ministries, a total agreement, the idea that we have to be unanimous isn't necessarily mm-hmm. always a biblical idea. I mean, mm-hmm. we'd love to have the unity. Mm-hmm. We'd love to be able to say, well, the Holy Spirit has told all of us the same thing. Mm-hmm. But the reality is that the forging of the church, there are many uh, um, many moments where there's disagreement. Mm-hmm. In that, we seek the Lord. It's, mm-hmm. it's when we come into conflict that we seek the Lord. And he answers that. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, I've seen it, and I know you guys have too, where there are disagreements, and then that well, really just sends somebody yeah, into a, a tailspin. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, Scott's especially seen that yeah. in his yeah. work with the, he's, he's on the inside of a lot of those kind of committees in the church. Well, people leave churches. They, they leave they fellowship. They walk away from they the faith. Away. Yeah. They walk they, away. They did reject everything yeah. because they can't have it their way. And uh, it, this is a picture of how I think good, solid believers can disagree and yet be restored. Mm-hmm interesting that we have this this in scripture to kind of look at as a guide you know mm-hmm. for how to how to even handle conflict you know that to know that there was relationship after the conflict right. that that's a key point here isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. amen amen well we're going to ask michael to sing again for us in a moment here but just to look back on the conversation in the last few minutes two things to me one be an encourager you know word yeah. and deed i mean scott you brought that home to us here today through yeah. uh, our look at barnabas and second of all when there's conflict like this you know don't let it just be a conflict. You know, seek mm-hmm. something past the conflict. Right. Seek resolution. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Is Jesus not enough right. to make us one, mm-hmm. even in the spite of our disagreements? Amen. Is he Amen. not enough? I imagine there's someone listening that I know that the Spirit has prepared their heart to hear this conversation from the Word today. And I just wonder if we might pray for that mm-hmm. person who maybe is going through one of those conflicts right now yeah. or is looking for 
uh, some encouragement themselves. Scott, would you lead us in prayer for a minute or so here to close our conversation? Then we'll ask Michael to sing. I'd love to. Our Father and our God, we are humbled and we recognize that we have our sinful nature to deal with, our flesh, uh, the attacks of the enemy, um, bad thoughts, bad words, bad deeds. So we repent for that. We desire to know your will uh, today. And I especially pray for that person that might be listening who is in deep conflict with someone else who knows you. Um, they might feel that they're completely misunderstood or that they're right and someone else is wrong. We pray that they would let go of that recognizing all of us are wrong, and you are the only righteousness, Jesus, that Mm. there is. We also want to say, Lord, to those that might want to or need to encourage someone, a a spouse or a child or a family member or a friend, let them turn that away from themselves and turn that that light of of encouragement on that friend or Mm. that that relative. Bless them as they become an encouragement to others. Amen. Amen. Mm. Scott, thank you for coming, but we've got to ask Michael to sing this song here to close our segment together. Chorus of Faith. Sing it with your life, sing with your heart, make melody with the words of your mouth. The mind that you listen, tell it to others, hear the chorus of faith. Live the chorus of faith The first note of the song Split the darkness And was sung by the planets and stars And their light spoke hallelujah And the words of the chorus were sung by angels before us Now come join in the tune Sing it with your life, sing with your heart Make melody with the words of your mouth The mind that you listen, tell it to others Hear the chorus of faith Live the chorus of faith came to be for us and his coming made our life a song and his word is the chorus is the light that is burning is the truth beyond learning is the If what you're hearing has stirred you to want to explore the scriptures further, look online for more from Michael that can help. Find music and books that explore the great themes in scripture. Come explore all that's available for you at michaelcard.com. If you're new to this podcast, be sure to look through the podcast archive for an extensive collection of classic and current editions to hear, enjoy, and share. 
And we're always glad to hear from our listeners. Post a comment on the Michael Carb Music Facebook page or send your comments, questions, and song requests via email to inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Coming up, more music and conversation waiting for you after this message in the studio with Michael Card. Here's Michael with a word about the Christian Standard Bible. I like new Bible translations because they help me see new details in the text. That's why I was so excited to be a part of the CSB translation team. The careful attention to original languages from godly scholars has made a version of the Bible that I use. Visit csbible.com and explore the variety of options available to get this fresh translation into your hands. And when you order, receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. Just type card 40 with no spaces for your 40% discount. The Christian Standard Bible, a great translation, a great selection, and a great discount. So many study Bibles and editions designed to make God's Word accessible in your life. I hope that you'll discover for yourself new insights as you read and study with this new Bible translation. Find a copy online when you visit csbible.com. We're back in the studio with Michael Card. A couple of guests join us now, one at a time. Dave Zanotti will be here just in a few minutes. Dave is a good friend of mine from Cleveland, Ohio, president of the American Policy Roundtable. And then Denny Denson is with us. Denny is a longtime friend of Michael's, a pastor here in the Franklin area, and has been no better friend of this program than Denny Denson. Yeah, I have a verse. I want to. I want to introduce. I've never introduced anybody with a Bible verse, but this this is you to me, Denny. This is Philippians four. Th- uh, Five, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petitions with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I've never known you to be anxious about anything. We've been knowing each other a long time. But but you know uh, what has happened, though, Mike, uh, since the last time we had the opportunity to come and share with you on the radio station. Uh, on for, uh, Some things have changed in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've, I've been diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that happened was that prior to the doctor even telling me, uh, I knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I went uh, in prayer and just asked the Lord, you know, to let me know what was wrong. And the Holy Spirit revealed to me that I had cancer. My next thing was that, Lord, if you don't strengthen me right. in the middle of this, I would, you know, I'll just crumble, you know, because uh, uh, this is a, too much of a burden for me to bear. And you shared that with Scott Rowley and I. Of course, our first, our first response is, oh, you, he's in denial. Yes. Oh, then he's in denial, well, right? Yeah, and, 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 that, and that's what, and that's, that, that Philippians 4 and 7 has become a true reality uh-huh. in my life. And uh, what I mean by true reality, I, you know, you read it, you hear the words, you know what they mean, but how, what does that feel like, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's one thing to say that when you're well. It's another thing to say that when you found, have found out that you're, you've got cancer. Yeah, but still, even in that, how, what does that feel like? Uh-huh. You know, what does that feel like to have a peace that transcends all understanding, that surpasses all understanding? Mm-hmm. 
when and God did give me that. Uh-huh. And uh, and what happened was that uh, when I sat and talked to my family and friends and this kind of thing, and I'm explaining to them what's going on with my life, I really had to go back to God and ask Him, "Is is this what this feel like?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying I did not care, mm-hmm. but that's what was there. You know, it's, it was almost like it, it's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. And like yourself, uh, Scott, and, and others uh, that I talked to, they were kind of looking at me really funny mm-hmm. uh, as if to say, well, this guy's in total denial. Yeah, we don't get this. No, uh, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm not in denial. Mm-hmm. But I do know one thing, that, that God has given me that peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a to be in that place and to know that God has put you in that place. Mm-hmm. I really can't explain it, to be truthful. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the verse. Can I read it? Yes. Yeah, let, let me get a little head start. Well, it is the it. peace that passes all understanding after all. Yes. Right. Yeah. right. Um, uh, a couple of verses ahead of time. It says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then verse 7, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, all, all. Yeah. will guard your heart yes. and your mind yes. in Christ Jesus. Yes. Do you feel guarded? I, I, I feel free. Huh. I, I, I don't feel, uh, if that's what guarded means, uh-huh. then I, I feel free. I don't feel burdened. I don't feel, uh, uh, there's no fear, none of that. No defeat. No defeat, no, yeah. none at all. Like I said, at first, I had to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, is this really what this well, thing yeah, feels like? Any of us would. Well, now, we walked with Ben and, yes. and Bill Lane. Yeah, but but uh, uh, once once it came to mind, uh, once the Lord revealed to me that I did have cancer, the very next voice I heard in my ear and uh, with this heavy voice, and, he, <laughs> and I, I heard him in my ear saying, Brother Denson, <laughs> yeah, Dr. Ben, <laughs> a Christian that's afraid of death is an embarrassment to God. Oh, wow. That that's what I heard. Mm. But but uh, along with that peace that surpasses all understanding, what God has had another thing God has really uh, uh, helped me to understand what relationships are about. Mm-hmm. You you know uh, uh, you know we think we know you know, but but uh, I, I have a new found appreciation for relationships. Mm. You know. Uh, and, and and none of these relationships would have never been possible if I don't first of all have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. See that that's the whole key. Mm-hmm. Danny, you say that though, but relationships since I've known you have always been important to you. Uh, yeah, but I I, I thought I knew. Mm-hmm. I thought you know I really even understood. Better now. Yes, yes. Uh, but what what happens is what has happened with me is that that I I have gone back a few years and. When I was on the other side of the fence, uh, not wanting to have any, anything to do with the majority culture, mm-hmm. but but yet when the relationships came to where the rubber met the road, mm-hmm. they were all of the majority culture. <laughs> yeah, now that, that that's an interesting dilemma. <laughs> that's yeah, that's God's sense of humor right there, yeah, isn't yes. it? Yes, <laughs> you, you, you know, and 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 then it also. It, it also lets us, helps us to understand what God will do with us mm-hmm. if we will actually turn ourselves over to him. Mm-hmm. This season in my life is probably one of the best seasons I've had. Mm. And uh, I, I told the wife like Monday morning, I said, I might go to bed tonight and die. Mm. But it's one thing I do know. 
that I am at peace, mm-hmm. you know. And, but apart from Christ, you can't say that. No, no. Oh, I, I well, I, when I preach Sunday, what I say, if the Lord doesn't strengthen me, and uh, I think you guys might have seen this commercial by folding up like a lawn chair, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would fold up like yeah. a lawn chair because, it, you know, you. this is a tremendous burden for, for an individual to try to handle, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, uh, and especially when they tell you up front that you're stage four, they don't know if they can do anything. But yet, uh, the brothers of the faith, the churches all all over the country, people are, are keeping me and my family lifted up before the Lord. Danny, you're sharing what's going on in your life. Yes. But you know you're talking to other people who are hurting just as much. Oh, I, I, pr- I pray that someone will be helped. Mm-hmm. I pray. That's my prayer. Because one of the things I, 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 I told one of my granddaughters, she did not want to talk to me. Uh, not because... She didn't like, but you know, Joy, my, mm-hmm. we're very close, and yeah. and she, I don't want, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk, I don't want to talk. Mm. But uh, one of the things I told her is that I have always tried, especially since I really understood who Christ was and allowed Him to be a part of my life, uh, for Him to, you know, um, and that is that that I, I've always tried to live to glorify Him. And so what I want to do, whether I've got one year, one hour, or one minute left, I want to glorify him. Mm. You you know, uh, I I want him to get glory because, see, I do know that that what's going on in my life now, I have no control over. But my life is controlled by him, Mm. so I'm in good shape. Well, when you preached last Sunday, one of the things that you said that I'll I'll never forget, you said you're not you're not ready to live until you're ready to die. Oh yeah, you, you know you know that was you, powerful. You, you you I wish I could have known this some years yeah. back. You know, <laughs> you know, but life is lived forward and it's understood backwards. Yes, but 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 you know, once you and 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 to have preached as many sermons, you know, you really think you you're there, you know, but then. To 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 for for the Lord to move you at, at an, to another level. Yeah, Danny. Once again, God's using you right now. Yes. He's using you in our lives and the lives of our yeah. listeners. Just hearing your story and and how God is working in your heart yeah. at this moment. I, we've got more to learn from you. Well, well, no, we've got more to learn from Him uh, yeah. <laughs> through you. Know, you. Th- yes, because you know, uh, uh, if uh, if it be not for Him, where would I be right mm-hmm. now? You know, but and, and, and in the midst of that, God has put friends like Mike and, and yourself, Wayne, and, and others, uh, other brothers of the empty hands who have been truly uh, keeping me lifted up before the Lord. And, it, and it's a blessing. It really is. tell how much Denny Denson means to us mm-hmm. here in the studio. Yep. He is the, the patriarch. <laughs> Joining us now is Dave Zanotti. Dave is, uh, well, Dave's been with us before in oh, the yeah. studio. This is like your third time. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> I see Dave more often than I see you, Michael. Really? Uh, 
We do a daily radio program. Are you together. trying to make me jealous? Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Not, not, not at all. But yeah, we do but a daily program. I together. don't have a Mac yet. Uh, okay. okay. Oh, well, I feel better then. Dave is president of the American <laughs> Policy Roundtable, uh, based in Cleveland, Ohio. We do a program called the Public Square together. Dave, welcome. Thank you. It's good back to be back here at Mole's End. Yeah, you were you were on the other side of the glass listening to Denny. Yeah, yeah, and, and I was just waiting on the Holy Spirit because I'm thinking of the people that are listening today. And you know, it's it's always quite a confrontation for us to listen to someone confess that uh, what we all know, Michael, as you mentioned, that that, that we're all mortal, mm. but now the mortality is imminent. Mm. And, uh, and and we think about that, when we think about the person, then you think about the people around the person. And I've been the person around the person for the last year. About a year ago, I got a call, actually, Wayne, while you and I mm-hmm. were talking on the phone in Orlando last year with mm-hmm. Dr. Lennox. I got a call at that time from my brother. I stepped away from the dinner table and he said, I got some difficult news for you. Get home as soon as you can. And when I got home, I found out my father's got terminal stage four prostate cancer. Mm. And so for the last year, we've been walking through those processes as well. Mm. And it's very interesting how, how the people around the people whose departure now is imminent, how they deal with it mm-hmm. and how we wrestle with that. And the spiritual opportunities that God brings to us as reality dawns. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I always think to myself, it'd be really good to go to a wedding every month and a funeral every month. Because mm. it sort of keep us in the line of balance. Well, I, I know that when, when Bill was, uh, was sick, he would call and check on me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the week before he died, I'm laughing because it seems so funny. The week before he died, he called and uh, he said, uh, I just felt like you were afraid. And I, I just the Lord told me to call you, and I what I, he was he was dead on. I was I was afraid, so he was comforting me. Isn't that interesting how the tables are turned? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The psalmist tells us, so we know that our days are ordered and numbered. Yeah. Sometimes it's actually easier for the person whose departure is imminent than uh-huh. from the people around that person. Yeah. Think about that conversation that Jesus had. Uh, at the Transfiguration, where his departure was discussed. Yeah, they talked about his exodus, his exodus. with Moses. Yeah, Exodus, the doorway yeah. out yeah. Yeah. Uh, to the next level, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and it just so it's kind of just listening to Denny was reflecting on the fact that uh, we want to pray for the people around the mm-hmm. people in our lives as well. And for those people that are listening to anything, I'm one of those people, man. I'm mm-hmm. losing someone. I know it's coming and I'm really, really struggling with it. Mm-hmm. You know, God's there. God's there, and, and, and God creates incredible opportunities for fruitfulness out of what appears to be the dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can expand that way out and say that the only thing he really does is through death. I mean, because the cross, every, you know, the cross was yeah. using death to save the world. I mean, God uses suffering to save the world. He uses death to save the world. I mean, that's a broad statement. He uses storms to transport us from one place Mm -hmm. to the next. He uses storms to give us peace, to calm us. Yes. He uses death to give us life. The great paradox. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and suffering to bring us healing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And and, and healing is is a lot of what our nation needs right now as well. And I'm just wondering if you two should write a song together. Yeah. <laughs> Any of that rhyme? Uh, <laughs> that rhyme? <laughs> well, Dave, well, thanks. You do the music. I'll try and throw a few words <laughs> yeah, your way. Yeah. Hey, if you, you do it, I, hey, I'm, I'm your man. Yeah. Well, Dave, this is not why we brought you in here today, but thanks. Uh, I'm glad you were here. Yeah. Hey, oh, I'm certainly really, You're, really you're the man here. to ask, David. Can this nation be healed? 
Well, with God, you're the biggest pessimist. I, I mean, I went through the God's a Republican, and our hope is whoever the you know the most current Republican person was, <laughs> and and I still pray for the president every day. And that's, I know you do, but um, you know, you know, Bob, it's bad. It's it, getting bad. We just just was having a conversation with George Grant earlier today. Uh-huh. We talked about all the different ladders that people put up against walls, uh-huh. thinking that if they get to the top of that, they're going to find the answer. And yeah. there have been a lot of people. Michael, who have put the ladder up thinking that that either politics alone or a personality alone yeah. or a party alone yeah. is is the way to solve the problem. Right. And see, America is a nation that was birthed on ideas. Uh-huh. Uh, Spiritual uh, ideas well, or if ideas? You track those ideas and where they came from, you've got to walk right through the Protestant Reformation. Mm-hmm. The very notion that we have in this country, the concept of the consent of the governed, flows from the doctrine of the priesthood of all believers. Hmm. It was not something that was happening at point one thousand in history, and you know AD one thousand. It wasn't. It was the Church of Jesus Christ that brought forward this concept of the worth of all individuals. They combined that with the concept of the covenant of the Old Testament, where God was partnering with people in an if-then kind of two wills coming together, mm-hmm. and, and they began to work in the concept of governance in the church, a sense of you're important, I'm important, we're on equal ground before the cross. Mm-hmm. And that concept of leveling things off before a transcendent authority mm-hmm. is something that gave birth to the words of the Declaration of Independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident, mm-hmm. that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. And then here comes the important part, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, hmm. deriving their just authority from, not the king, the governed, the consent of the governed. Yeah. So that concept is a uniquely wow. biblical concept, Old Testament, New Testament combined, hmm. and therein is the beginning of America's healing, not in a personality, not in a party, but in a rediscovery of the concept of the truth that sets men free. Somehow mm-hmm. we're losing that, though. I mean, the, the oh. news, especially at this moment, yeah, and we're yeah. getting just, you know, almost force-fed all this personality and party politics. Well, false hope. It's more false hope. Well, and what it is is it's transactional hope, and what you really need is transformational hope. Hmm. You know, we've got short-term problems. We've got long-term problems. Hmm. Elections are supposed to help us with the short-term as long as we don't lose perspective on the long-term. But the problem is is that we've kind of gotten quick fixed. We've got Kleenex mm-hmm. mindset on our on our politics. We want to use it and throw it away and then get on with everything else. But civil governance is a division of relational integrity. Mm-hmm. And if you just touch it every four years and walk away, you're not going to have much integrity. You get the mess we, that we're in. Exactly. That's yeah. right where we are. So we've got yeah. short-term problems. We've got long-term problems. In the short term, we've got to figure out who do you vote for. <laughs> All right. In the long term, you got to ask yourself some tougher questions like, how come we only get to choose between two or three people in a nation of 300 million? Yeah. And how do those people get there? And, and, and yeah. isn't there a smarter way to do this? Yeah. Those are the things we got to wrestle with. And yeah. those make people uncomfortable. 
Well, how do we go about those? I mean, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, used to say religion is the opiate of the masses. Now some people say voting is the opiate of the masses. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. every four years you sort of get your conscience clear and then like you've really, you really care about the government. You've done something. (laughs) Well said. Yeah. Yeah. I sort of think sometimes that we treat the presidential election like it's a referendum on the American soul. Uh And everybody tries to lay their thing onto that election and then purge themselves and Uh feel so much better. You're right. It doesn't work that way. So how does does it work? Well, you know what really matters is is who your member city council is. Hmm. What really matters is who's your local mayor? Do you know him? Do you pray for him? Do you have relational integrity with that person? Mm-hmm. Do you pray for the person that's going to the state house for you uh, every, every huh. month? Do, do you know that person? Uh, it's interesting because here in Franklin, uh, the, our mayor was one of the empty hands, mm-hmm. uh, but we he just lost the ele- election. We have a new mayor, and one of the last things I heard Denny say in, in one of the empty hands meeting is, we got to go and get to know the new mayor. Yeah, huh. Huh. and when we say get to know yeah. him, we're not talking about the power game. See, the difference is that people of faith can be in the power process but have no need and should really have no desire to control or marshal the power. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, our boss has risen from the dead. Why should we be concerned about trying to marshal political power? It mm-hmm. all comes from him anyhow. Mm-hmm. And we're heirs. Mm-hmm. All right? It all ultimately is ours in the end, mm-hmm. all right? as heirs of Christ, co-heirs with God. So are we not concerned to vote even? Well, but now that's the difference. See, the intersect this thing with this whole... What's the greatest law and what's the second greatest? Well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And here's the big rub. You can't be an American living in a system of the consent of the governed where we actually have the opportunity to help our neighbor and not be involved in politics. Help our neighbor by voting? You help your neighbor by voting because the people who you vote for, the people who sit down and decide the laws about how the garbage is going to be picked up and where you can go to school and what we're going to do about things like protecting our children and Mm -hmm. all these matters of life that really do matter. Mm -hmm. If you don't participate in the process, you're telling your neighbor, I don't care. Go fend for yourself. Let somebody else worry about your needs. I don't care. Mm. I knew this would happen. We're out of time. But Dave. We're uh, just getting. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Dave has a book. Where uh-huh. this is uh, this is laid out in greater detail. Mm-hmm. God won't vote this year is the book. We'll put a link uh, to the American Policy Roundtable at michaelcard.com. How do you like the title? Well, God yeah. won't vote this year. Well, I, I I saw that laying there and I thought, what do you, what do you mean? How do you? <laughs> You'll have to read it to find out, Mike. <laughs> I thought I wrote that one of you were one of the people I had in mind. Really? Mike. <laughs> I thought he was God won't vote, vote Republican this year. I thought that. <laughs> I thought that's what you were inferring, uh-huh. but hopefully, hopefully that's not. It's what bigger you're... than that, but at least we got your attention. <laughs> you, know, you got, yeah. you definitely got my attention. Read more about it. God <laughs> won't vote this year. Dave, thanks for coming by. My privilege always. We're going to ask Michael to sing an appropriate song now, talking about our land. It's called "Heal Our Land," and Ken Lewis joins Michael on percussion. And I will hear them and move my hand 
and grant us hope that we might see a future for the land we love, our life, our liberty. pray this time together has helped you make a deep connection with the Lord, and we hope you'll let us know how God used this session in your life. Please feel free to post a comment on the Michael Card Music Facebook page, write via email in the studio at michaelcard.com. Learn about Michael's books and music at michaelcard.com. You can write a review on Apple Podcasts or share the link with what you've discovered on your favorite social media platform. We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible. Visit csbible.com. The Bible is the foundation of all we do in this podcast, and we're happy to point you to the many ways you can read and study with this fresh translation in your hands. Explore all that's available for you and use the 40% discount on CSB purchases at Lifeway. When you order, use the promotion code CARD40, typed with all caps and no spaces, to receive your 40% discount on CSB purchases through Lifeway. Choose a copy that fits your needs online at csbible.com. And join us again next week for another podcast edition. Now for Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for sitting in on this session in the studio with Michael Card. And just before we go, enjoy this week's bonus track. Trust in me and keep your life free from what the love of money will do. Am I not enough for you? And never will I leave you. That's something I'll never.
when will you believe that never will I leave you? That something I'll never.